0: Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, you can grab a seat and check this out. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to going back to school. Why are you so excited? Uh, Because I'm going to fourth grade, and after that I'm going to fifth grade, and I'm going to college or high school. I don't know. (laughs) Or preschool. Skip it all. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even know the orders anymore. Why is going back to school so exciting? You like seeing your friends? Uh, No, I didn't make any. I just made one friend at at the first school I was, then I'm switching schools to here. And I'm hoping I can make more friends than just one. (laughs) I think you will. What's your favorite subject in school? What do you like? Math and science. What do you like so much about math? Math is fun because I want to be a creator, like in stuff. And I need to learn a lot of math to do it. And also a lot of science. And also my mom thinks I'm a baby, so I can't walk to school sometimes. And also she thinks I need to protect the gear when I need to ride a bike. You probably do. I think I agree with you. I know how to ride a bike already, even without protective gear. <laughs> man, I don't know about you, uh, but I'm excited for fourth grade. I am really pumped that we get to start that now, because uh, then it's college right after. And man, I, I don't know about you, but, uh, but I am just, I'm excited when I see someone love something, right? There's something exciting and invigorating and encouraging about watching someone who loves something else, right? Someone who's passionate about a subject or an endeavor, someone who loves learning, right? Who wants to learn about math and science to invent things, right? Someone who has a love for making more than just one friend. Like that's a good, that's a good love. That's a good goal. You should have that goal, even if you're a senior and you're like, I don't need it, you should make at least more than one friend. All right, let's go for two. Uh, we are encouraged. It's exciting to watch someone love. But the reality is that, I mean, our love, it has a limit, right? Sometimes that limit is when we are forced to wear protective gear when riding our bicycle, when we are no longer babies. Like, that's hard, right? Our love ends when it encounters that subject, when it encounters that call. And the reality is that, I mean, we as people, the truth is we are a people who love. Right? We just, we love. That's who we are. It's what we do. Yesterday, we together as a community, we loved Aggie football. Whoop Whoop, is indeed the correct response (laughs) as we conquered University of California, LA. Like as we moved forward, we loved Aggie football. We, maybe a lot of us, we began to doubt um, (laughs) our love. But then we didn't doubt for a second, right? And we came back. And we're stronger and our love is more firm and committed because we've seen that, man. We've walked through that experience of loving. And this past summer, man, some of us, we loved silly things like Pokemon Go. And you know what? A whoop is maybe the right response, but the reality is that many of us, we stopped, right? Like that was a love that reached its limit, that we kind of, some of us, that limit was immediate. For some of us, it just took a summer. But generally speaking, man, what we find is that we love things and yet our love has a limit. Many of us have loved a friend or we've loved a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a significant other. We've had a love for a person until we didn't, until it stopped, until it reached its limit due to a circumstance or an experience or a conversation. I mean, we've loved our life decisions until we didn't. Until we realized that maybe some of them weren't quite what we really wanted. We've seen parents who loved each other until they didn't. We've seen people, we've been people have loved careers and, and pursuits and, and occupations and lifestyles and, and other people and organizations until we didn't. The reality is that we've all seen love that changes direction. We've seen love that lacks duration. We are a people of love, but our love has a limit. This week we're kind of wrapping up this initial talks this initial series of how we're looking at who we are as believers. Not just people at Grace Bible Church, not just people in College Station, Texas, but who are we as believers? Who are we as a people, a community that has placed our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins? Who are we? We are a people with faith, man. We are a people of a faith, a faith that's rooted in a past experience that creates a present confidence in our future. We are a people of faith who have a hope that moves us to love. We are a people of faith that is rooted in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that faith generates a hope in us for that one day that will come when suffering is over, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that faith and that hope, what that does is it spurs us, it moves us to love. But man, our love has limits in both its direction and in its duration. But here's the thing, our God, our Father in heaven, His love is different. Our love is exciting, but but God's love is compelling. I mean, our love, it can create an impression on people, but God's love, it creates an invitation to others. Our love can create a memory or a fun moment, but God's love, it creates a movement. Why? Because our God loves without limits. His love has no limit. And when we encounter that love, when we experience that love, We should be moved to extend it to others. This morning, we're in John 15. If you have a Bible, you want to go there on your phone, app, whatever it is. John 15, what we're doing is we're seeing, we're going to understand more about the Lord's love, more about God's love that we are able to experience, that we are able to extend to the world around us without limits. Now, before we hit that, I'm going to read you briefly from John 13. This is the beginning of one big conversation. So this is a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples, and he knows he's about to die. The end, his crucifixion is imminent. And so he knows in this moment, hey, I'm going to need to tell these guys something just solid. Give them a foundation to rest upon. Because even though Jesus Christ knows he's going to rise again in three days, that he's going to conquer sin, he's going to conquer death. His disciples, he knows they don't quite get it. And so he knows that when he's crucified, it's gonna create trauma. It's gonna shock them. It's gonna send them running and scattering. And so he says, look, I wanna sit you down and I wanna just give you a lifeline. I wanna give you a rock to hold on to in the midst of the storm that's approaching. And so he tells them in John 13, he says, here, I'm gonna boil everything down for you. I'm gonna give you a new commandment. Here it is, to love one another. Here it is. Your one thing, your lifeline, your rock, your foundation, love one another just as I've loved you. He says, I want you to love each other just as I've loved you. That's how you're also able to love one another. He says, everyone will know by this that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus Christ is looking at these people, these men, these women, saying, look, this is what I want for you. This is what I need from you. This is what I'm calling you towards, to love just as you've been loved. No caveats, no asterisk, no exceptions. Love as you've been loved. End of commandment. That's it. As you know, he says, he's saying, I-, I want you to live this way. I want you to love this way. Why? Because this is what's going to define you. He says, this is what's going to distinguish you. This is what's going to make you stand out. This is what's going to make the world around you stop and, and just stare at what you're doing. This is your defining attribute. This is the action. This is the characteristic. This is the lifestyle that you are called to embrace and embody. This is what's going to set you apart. This is your Aggie ring. Right? This is that ring, that thing that some of us are still pursuing. Some of us have already achieved. Whoop, right? We're there. I love this picture because a lot of them are, have achieved, and yet there's the one right in the middle who does not yet have that ring, who's still seeking after it. It's a girl. Good luck, girl. Maybe she has it by now. I don't know. Maybe she's arrived in the truest existence. She's left her lesser past behind. I don't know. But that's what we want, right? We want to have that ring. Why? Because that's what sets us apart. That's what distinguishes me. That's what lets people know, hey, this is where I align myself. This is who I am. I'm an Aggie. I'm an Aggie, dag nabbit. And that has a lot of implications. I'm going to talk differently. I'm going to move differently. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to whoop. At random times, I'm going to make you uncomfortable probably a lot, right? That's, that's what I'm going to do. As an Aggie. And you're going to know who I am by that ring on my finger. You're going to know who I am because this is my defining attribute. And Jesus Christ is looking at his disciples and he says, look, I don't want you to be known for a ring that you're wearing. I want you to be known for your moral or social or political alignment. That's not how you should be known as a community of people who follow me. He says, the way that you're known is by the way that you love one another. By loving each other just as you've been loved, meaning you're going to love people without limits. Says that's who you are. That's what you're about. And that's different. Because our world limits love. Man, our, our culture, what we do is we, we are people of love, but our love has limit. A lot of times we're limited by our passion. In other words, how I feel. Many times we're tempted that I just want to love depending on how I feel. But Christ is saying, no, you're not living depending on how you feel. You're loving despite how you feel. It is not dependent upon your passion in that moment, your interest or liking of that person in that moment. Your love is commanded. Your love is not dependent upon problems. Our world, man, it will limit based on the experiences of what happens to me, about the circumstances I find myself in. But Jesus Christ says, we don't love because it's convenient. He says, we're going to love because it's commanded, because it's a commitment that I'm calling you to. He says, that's the love that defines you. That's the love that sets you apart. That's the love that honestly, hear me when I tell you, is going to help you in every relationship you have for the rest of your life. If you recognize that the love that I give out, the love that I outpour, the love that I extend, it it should not be dependent upon how I'm feeling. It shouldn't be dependent on what's happening to me in the moment. Because I'll tell you, that's the friendship that lasts, is the one where it's love that's that's despite how you feel, that's that's regardless of circumstance. That's the marriage that's healthy. I'll tell you, I mean, we have a, a wonderful ministry here at Grace called Merge. And we we pulled it from, we got it from a a church up in Dallas called Watermark. And what it is, it's a premarital counseling ministry where you sit down at tables, you hear from a speaker over the course of nine weeks, but you're not just hearing from a speaker, but you're also discussing as a group at a table with a a couple who's walked in marriage for a while with other people that are just like you looking towards marriage in their future. And what you're doing is you're sitting and you're talking about what it takes to build a healthy marriage. Because I mean, we want that, right? Everyone wants, A healthy marriage. And I'll tell you the number one thing you'll hear, the number one thing you'll hear from me when my wife and I have the opportunity to speak at those gatherings, I'll tell you, we're going to tell you that your love for one another is not dependent upon circumstance, that your love for each other is not dependent upon convenience. Your love is a commitment because it's a command that you've been given by the God who made you, by the God who created marriage. And that's how you have a healthy relationship. That's a marriage that lasts. That's a relationship that lasts. And Jesus says, that's what I want from you for all people, right? Because our world, man, we limit our love based on the passion that we might have or the problems we might face. We also limit it on the person. In other words, who it is that's in front of us. And I'll tell you, it's easy to love someone who loves you back, right? It's easy to look into the eyes of a stock photo model and just tell her like, you know what? I love you, and she loves you back, and that's great, right? And this guy that you know, this girl that you know, the person you're dating or that you used to, whatever. It's easy to love someone who loves you in return. It's a little bit harder to love someone who occasionally maybe accidentally hurts you, right? When your stock photo model girlfriend, when she breaks your mug, your favorite mug, it's harder to love, right? And Maybe she's sad, maybe she's crying, uh, tears of, of mug pain, but... It's a little bit harder, right? It's not impossible, but it's a little bit harder. I'll tell you, though, it is hardest. It is, I would say, almost impossible. It defies logic and reason for you to love someone who not just accidentally hurts you, but someone who actively hates you. It is really hard. It is super hard to love someone who kicks down your door and says, I will vow to destroy you today. Like that's, <laughs> that's a hard person to love. Your enemy, your mortal enemy, that is a hard person to love. By the way, I am giving out Photoshop lessons uh, soon, so you can sign up if you want to learn how to change reality like me. It is really difficult to love someone who hates you, and yet that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And yet that's exactly who our God is. Our God who loved us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. While we were still children of wrath, while we were still running in the opposite direction of the God who loved us and is calling to us and wanted a relationship with us and loves us, that is the God that we were fleeing from, all of us. Running in the opposite direction, headed towards destruction, spitting in God's face, renouncing everything he stands for, everything he is. And yet in that moment, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us so much that he would sacrifice everything to have relationship with us, to have relationship with his enemies. Jesus Christ says, that's how you love. You love without limits. It's not bound by your passion. It's not bound by the problems you might face. It's not bound by the person in front of you. That's the love that stands out. That's the love that we should be defined by. And yet the reality is that we limit our love. So my question for you right now is just simple. How, where, why do you limit your love? How do you do it? Is it based on distance or, or time or status or background or belief or behavior? I don't know. But you've got some limitations. You can think of right now, there's a line that you generally don't cross. There's a line that generally you can't push your love past. There's a person that you don't generally love as much as the rest because of whatever factor that comes into play. There are limits that we place on our love. So what is it? Root it out. Ask the Lord to reveal that to you because Jesus Christ says, I want you to love differently. And he says, and I'm not just gonna call you to do this and have you figure it out? This isn't just like a well buck up and eat your peas and go love. Like and you're gonna like it. Like that's not the message. Jesus Christ continues. As I said, this is one long conversation. So by John 15, who he's still in the middle of the exact same conversation and he reiterates to his disciples, he says, look, just to remind you, my commandment is this, that you love one another just as I've loved you. Okay, so reminder, you're supposed to love as you've been loved. He says, and no one has greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends and you are my friends if you do what I command you. He's not saying that our friendship, that our relationship is dependent obedience, but he's saying that our friendship is displayed by your obedience. You don't have to do what I've commanded so that I love you, but if you do what I command you, people will see the love that we have for each other. It's not dependent, but it is displayed by obedience. He says, I want you to go and I want you to love without limits. I want you to love the way that you've been loved. He says, this is something that you've experienced. And this is something that you can extend. He says, I want you to love because you're my friends now. You were enemies, but I've made you my friends. He says, I don't call you slaves or servants. He says, because the slave does not understand what his master is doing. He says, but I, I've called you friends because I have revealed to you everything I heard from my father. He says, you don't just have to go out and figure out how to love people. He says, I've already shown you. I've already displayed it to you. I've already gathered you in. And I've shown you what it looks like to love. And I'll tell you what it is. It's sacrifice. It's laying down your life. It's putting someone else's needs and desires above your own. He says, and if you just rest in that, if you look back to the love that you've experienced, man, that's your source of strength. That's your source of motivation. You've experienced true redeeming love. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have experienced true love. You're trusting in a God without limits. A God who has no limitation, and yet a God who willingly took on the limitations of humanity, of poverty, of obscurity, and even of death. Why? So that he might show us a love without limits. So that he might gather us in so we can experience that love, but then send us out that we might extend that love. That's the gospel that we were sinners, we were enemies of God, who God loved and pursued and grabbed and chose and loved and equipped and sent. That's who we are, people of faith with a hope that moves us to love. That's what we're called to. Jesus Christ says, you are my friends now because I've invited you into my circle. He says you're not just a servant because they don't know what's going on right they're not they don't have the information and access of the master he says but you're my friends why because I've invited you into my circle of trust I've given you information I've given you access this is why people who were far from God at that time people who were turned off by the Pharisees and Sadducees who were turned off by the Mosaic Law people who felt like they had no chance at knowing God those people who were far from God they wanted to be near to Jesus they wanted to be close to Jesus Christ they wanted to draw in. Why? Because he wasn't just giving out instructions for a religion. He was giving invitation to a relationship. That's who he was. That's who he is. And that's who he calls us to be. He says, I want you to go out. I want you to, or I want you to come to me. I want you to gather with me. I want you to experience this love, this sacrificial love. I'm going to gather you in and I'm going to give you everything I got. And I'm doing this all with the purpose that you might go and invite others. Jesus was raising men and women. Jesus was raising leaders who would always be inviting to that same love. They would experience it and then extend it. People who would continue the invitation process. Right? A few days ago, there was an Uber driver who made a post, talked about how he was driving to Chicago. He was picking some dudes up, and they were taking them to Wrigley Field, and they were going to the baseball game. And so he kind of mentioned offhand to him, he was like, Man, that's great. You guys are going to the game. Uh, man, I wish I could go with you. And these dudes that were just riding in his car were like, Hey, well, we have an extra ticket. You should just come with us. And so they did. They all went together to a Cubs baseball game. Just four dudes. Living it up, man, like this is amazing. Maybe he had like a high star rating and so they trusted him. I don't know. But there was a moment where he was being drawn. He was feeling a tug towards where they're going and what they're doing. And those men, they stepped up in that moment and they said, yeah, come with us. We want to invite you in to be a part of where we're going, of what we're doing. We want you to be a part of this community that we've already formed. Jesus Christ says, that's who you need to be. That's who I've raised you to be. I want to raise leaders who can reach the world. I want to raise up people who are going to continue to invite. So my question for you is, who are you inviting into your community? And I'll tell you, what's tragic about college is as we progress through it, many times our community shrinks and becomes more focused. It goes deeper, which is awesome. But a lot of times we go deep at the expense of, of going wide. And we forget that there are people all around us who want to be a part of what we're doing, of where we're going, who want to have relationship with God. And we just don't see him. Or we see him and we're like, I don't want to mess with that. So my challenge for you, my question, is who are you inviting into community, into relationship with you? Who are you inviting into your circle of trust? Who are you inviting into God's love? Because God's love and it creates an invitation that continues. Jesus Christ says, I want you to be these people who gather in. I want you to be people who go out. He says in the very next verse that you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you, and I appointed you to go. Did you catch that? Jesus says, You didn't come to me. I got gotcha. you. I chose you you and i gathered you in and i didn't just gather you in so we could sit around and really like each other and sing kumbaya and eat s'mores like i gathered you in why so that you would go so that you would bear fruit not just any fruit but fruit that remains in other words fruit that lasts and you're going to do this so that whatever you ask the father in my name he will give you this is what i command you this is the book and this is what i'm this is all centering around that you love one another He says, I'm gathering you in. I've chosen you. God chooses us as his people, but he continues to choose to use us in his purposes. Jesus brought them in so that he could send them out. Jesus was raising up leaders that they might reach the world. That's what he did. That's what we're called to do. God's love, man, it creates a movement. It's a movement. It's a stream to jump into. And it's incredible. And it's so counterintuitive because the reality is that, I man, we as humans, generally we turn in, right? This is, a, there's a kind of an old theological term called the incurvature of the soul. And basically what this is, is theologians were saying, well, initially when God created Adam and Eve, they looked to God, right? They looked out at creation. They knew I'm called to, I'm called to cultivate. I'm called to grow. I'm called to work. I'm called to worship. But eventually that relationship was severed, right? They sinned. And because of that, the relationship with God was torn. It was literally ripped apart. And so in that moment, Adam and Eve, what they did, rather than looking up and looking out, they began to look in. And so theologians say that we have a natural incurvature of the soul, meaning that our default is that we're going to become self-absorbed, that we're going to look inward, not outward. And I'll tell you, I see this every single day. Because I have a daughter who's 20 months old. Her name is Charlotte. She's wonderful. But she is a self-absorbed person. No filter on that self-absorption. We do a good job of covering it up most of the time. Charlotte, nope, doesn't care about it. She's just going to put it out there. We're going to go places, neutral places like Cracker Barrel. And we're going to have chairs. And her friend is going to sit in another chair. And as soon as she sees him sit in that chair, she's going to be like, no, mine, mine. Even though she's sitting in another chair, literally right before that, she was looking at him. She looks sweet in this moment, but she's happy because she enacted her will against her friend. She said, that's my chair, mine. In fact, last night we were at some friend's house. We, they were gracious. They're, they have a one-year-old son. He had all his toys and books out in the living room. We were playing with it. He was sharing so sweetly and handing things to Charlotte. She'd grab him and be like, oh, thank you. She'd be tired to say thank you. She'd go, thank you. And so she was really sweet. And as soon as soon as he would like walk, to, he wouldn't even have to like grab for the object. As soon as she, he just sort of are moving towards her as she's holding his toy, immediately, mine, My! Like, ah! like mine, she's attacking, she's pushing him away. Why? Because she has turned inward. She's a self-absorbed person. And that's who we are. Man, we are self-absorbed people. We become self-righteous. Sometimes we have commands of God that we can follow really, really well. And we kind of hold that over the heads of other people. We say that I live in this way or I have this moral alignment. And you know what, because of that, I am self-righteous. Sometimes we become self-indulgent. We say, you know what, I'm gonna just sort of live this way because I'm out to get mine. I'm out to do the thing that I wanna do. I wanna get these things out of my system. It's college, this is the time and place for these types of pursuits. I'm gonna kind of self-indulge in that way. Some of us are self-afflicted, meaning that we look at ourselves and we hate what we see. And so we beat ourselves up and we cut ourselves down. And I'll tell you, every single one of these is tragic because every single one of these is focused entirely on self. And God says, that's that's not what I've created you for. That's not what I've called you to. God has loved us. God has moved towards us. God has gathered us so that we might go. God wants to move us outward. God wants to create a movement with a direction that is external. And he raises each and every one of us that we might reach the world. And he's done this and he's offered this. And this is an incredible opportunity because the reality is that our movements that we create, the movements that we generally join into, they don't last, right? Our movements generally are a very temporary things. Sometimes we grab a hold of maybe terminology and we think it's really cool to call someone "bay," And we're like, what up, bay?" <laughs> Just saying it makes me uncomfortable. But we would say things like that, but you know what, that didn't last. It's over. I don't know if you're aware of this, but as soon as ragu begins to use a term, it's over. All right? It's done. <laughs> be your bait. Saucy love. Please, please, God, may that never be a thing that anyone ever repeats. Saucy. That is so uncomfortable. As soon as ragu uses a term, it's over. That movement is dead. As soon as Mountain Dew's like Mountain Dew. That's not even, that's not even the right way to say it. I don't know why. 605 people were like, uh-huh, absolutely. Gonna put that out. Gonna put that out in the world. It's over. That movement is dead. You can't call things on fleek anymore. Why? Because IHOP has done it. And even though 27,000 people agreed with them, that's not a thing. Pancakes are not, I, nah, I, I can't, it's done, all right? It's over. That movement is over. I know that maybe some of us are really excited about the DAB. And, you know, that's great. I saw it at Impact. I know, I thought it was already over. Well, it is over, but I'll explain in a second. But I saw it. I saw it at Impact. We were at Impact. I got to see all these freshmen, all these people fired up about the dab. I was like, okay, I guess this is maybe something. But listen, it's over. It's over. And I have proof. With Newton first saying, everyone dab on three. (laughs) Wow. Oh, that's bad. Warder, you got skill. (laughs) That was it. It's over. You just watched the death of the dap because that's the best one you're ever going to see. You can't top that. You, you kidding me? That's good. That's solid. It's over. It's over. That's just mark, mark your calendar. It's over. Our movements, man, they don't last. The reality is that, man, that GPA that you're going to work towards, that GPA that you're building, those organizations, that resume that you're building, man, I'm telling you, it's not going to last. It's going to end. You're going to walk off of campus. You know, you're walking onto campus day in, day out right now. There's going to be a time, there's going to be a day that comes, may that day be soon, where you walk off and you never walk back. Well, you're done, and you graduate. And I'll tell you, in that moment, your GPA is over. That movement is dead. It's done. That organization you're a part of, man, it's, it's going to end. That internship that you line up, man, it's, it's going to come to a close. And now those are worthy pursuits. There are ways to go about those things and pursue those things to glorify the Lord, and that's awesome. But I'll tell you, if it's grounded in this world, if you're hoping to leave some sort of legacy in those things, it's not gonna last. It's temporary. Which is why it's so incredible that our God looks at us as broken, sinful human beings, sinners in need of a savior. He looks at us and he says, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to create a legacy that's eternal. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to be a part of something that's so big, that's so far-reaching, that the very souls, the people around you, will be forever altered. That the trajectories of the people around you will forever change. And this is a legacy, man. This is a movement that will continue to invite, that will continue to include, that will continue to move far beyond your years, far beyond your involvement. God says, I want to use you in that pursuit to love in such a way that has no limits, that creates a legacy that's eternal, where you're walking off of a campus and maybe you don't have a GPA that's laser cut on the side of Kyle Field, but there are lives, there are eternal destinies that are altered because you were willing to step forward in faith to answer the Lord's call to love without limits. Man, I was so excited last week as we were kicking off officially. We had, just to kind of pull back the curtain, we had just over 1,000 students that came to just Anderson College alone, right, just over 1,000 students. That's amazing. That excites me. That fires me up. But I'll tell you, there are 75,000 students in our immediate area. As exciting as seeing a thousand is, I realize that for every one person that showed up in these doors, there are seventy-four that I did not see. Who can reach seventy-five thousand students? I cannot. Grace Bible Church cannot. We cannot fit seventy-four thousand more people in this room. <laughs> You're already feeling warm, and there's not there's not seventy-four thousand of us. Like you have, we would all perish immediately <laughs> if we tried. Some of you just fan yourselves more because you're like, oh my God, can't even think about it. We can't reach that many people. I can't gather that many people. But you know what I can do is I can gather some and then we can go. We can gather together and we can experience the love of God and then we can extend it to other people. What we can do is we can multiply students who want to go and multiply disciples. We can influence students who want to go and impact their campus. We can equip students who want to go and and encounter and change and engage their community. We can follow the example of Jesus Christ and we can raise up leaders to reach the world. That's what we can do. That's what we're all about. That's what I want to do. I want to be raising up leaders to reach our world because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. And everything we do in Grace College, everything we do in this ministry, every single word that we share, everything that we say and prepare and explain, every single time that we meet or invite or or, or gather or encourage or challenge, every prayer that we give and every worship song we sing and every chair we set up, man, everything we do is meant to raise leaders to reach this world. It's meant to experience the love of God so that we might extend it to others. It's so that we might gather and then go. It's to raise leaders to reach the world. This is our vision. This is our calling. This is where we're headed. This is the point on our horizon that we're chasing. This is the light that we chase in the midst of all kinds of darkness. We say, we want to raise up leaders to reach the world. This is going to move our hearts and this is going to move our minds, and this is going to move our mouths. this is going to move our feet and our hands. This is what moves us together to always be inviting people to a Sunday. We want to always be inviting people to come and encounter the Lord on a Sunday morning where they might hear the gospel, where they might see his scripture read with authority, with power, where they might encounter the God who loves them and is calling them to relationship. We're always inviting them to gather with us in that moment. We want to be always inviting people to gather with us in community, whether it's meeting around the the town, whether it's meeting up on campus, whether it's meeting with a focus on a particular degree or major, no matter what it might be, we're calling people to gather with us in community to experience the Lord's love. It's moving us to gather. It's moving us to give. It's moving us to serve. It's moving us to be a part of the body of Christ where we're helping out, maybe here, Maybe within this ministry. You can be a part of our connecting. You can be a part of inviting people in, of gathering people, of helping people, setting the stage that other people might worship God. You can be a part of our crew team, which does the exact same thing, which is moving chairs and doing work and putting in sweat and putting in blood and tears so that we might encounter the Lord. You can be a part of groups where they are going out into our community and they're serving outside of our church walls. You can be a part of a group where we are encountering, where we are moving and serving in other ministries other than college, where we're going to children. in the future generations, we're going to them and we're loving them and we're caring for them. We're providing for them. I need you to help me teach my daughter that she is not the center of the universe. I need your help. I try, but I, I fail at times because I love her. And I need you as an objective third party to walk in and say, no, you're not. You're not the center end all, be all of everything. I need your help in that. Parents need your help to serve their children, to raise up their children that they might one day reach the world themselves. We need your help to reach our youth students. People have turning points. Many of us encountered turning points in junior high or high school. And we have an opportunity to step into that moment, to offer guidance and counsel, to extend the love of God that they might experience, that they might one day extend it themselves. That's who we are. We're people of faith, with a hope that moves us to love. And that love is one that we experience. That love is one we extend. That is a love without limits. And that's what's required to reach 75,000 students. I'll tell you how love without limits is necessary to reach 900,000 people in Austin or 1.2 million people in Dallas or 2.2 million people in Houston or 319 people in America or 7.1 billion people in our world. The only people that are going to reach them, it's not going to just be me. It's not going to be Grace Bible Church, but I'll tell you who can reach those people, who can extend the love of God to those people. It's leaders. It's leaders who are raised. It's leaders who experience the love of God and who extend it without limits. That's who we are. That's what we do. So let's ask the Lord now to show us, man, what's our next step? God, we thank you that you have given us an opportunity, Lord, to come here, Lord, to gather so that we might go. God, that you've given us instruction, not just of how to live our lives and be self-absorbed Christians, but that God, you've given us instruction and guidance in how to step out, Lord, how to move in a direction that is external, that's not just fully focused on ourselves. Lord, we thank you that you've given us an opportunity to be a part of your movement, God, one that has an eternal consequence. So if you would ask the Lord right now, take this moment and ask him, God, where is it that I can gather? Lord, where is it that I should be inviting others to gather with me? Is it a, a community that I'm already a part of? Is it a, a, a home that I can just offer up uh, that people might come together? Is it uh, an official, is it a small group with a, a church or, or a parachurch or a, a student organization? Lord, where is it that I might gather with your people to experience your love so that I'm better equipped? to go and extend it to others. Ask the Lord, God, where is it that I'm gathering? Where is it that I'm calling people to gather with me? And then ask him, God, where are you sending me? Lord, where would you have me go? Where would you have me serve? God, where is it that you want me to extend your love? Is it with kids in this church body, in a different church body? Is it with youth students in our community, in our church, wherever it might be? God, is it within a, a college ministry, at Grace, outside of Grace? Lord, just show me, Lord, where is it? that you're calling me to go? Where is it that you're calling me to serve? Where is it that you're calling me to extend the love that I've experienced? Free from limits. Because God, that's how I've been loved. Ask God to raise those things to your mind right now.